Thanks to ExpressVPN for supporting FilmSack. Stop handing over your personal data to ISPs and other tech giants who mine your activity and sell your info. Go to expressvpn.com slash filmsack and get an extra three months free on a one-year package. It's unfair that we can't listen to our music. It's because it is about drugs and promiscuous sex. Simon and Garfunkel is poetry. Yes, it's poetry. It is the poetry of drugs and promiscuous sex. Honey, they're on pot. You have a good day. <laughs> this is Film Sack. Oh, sure. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Film Sack. This is Film Sack, mining the very depths of film entertainment for all mankind, and this is episode 497. I'm Scott Johnson, joined today by Brian. He likes to duct tape his do not disturb signs to his hotel door as well. Dunaway. As well? Oh, hi, Mom. Sorry I haven't called sooner. I've been very busy on the roads of America following the exploits of the Film Sack podcasting crew for an article I am writing for the cover of The Rolling Stone. Just kidding, Mom. Nobody reads magazines anymore. It's a think piece for BuzzFeed. No, I'm not too old to write for BuzzFeed. What? How old? What the hell, Mom? I was held back for 10 years in the 7th grade. Yeah, guess that explains all the body of hair I had as a 12-year-old. Uncomfortable shower scene. Anywho, I met a girl. Are we dating? No, she likes Randy. Yeah, the creep with the facial hair. Does he know I'm talking about him? Well, I'm looking right at him. Yeah, he's taking notes with his eyes. No, it's okay, Mom. I grounded the mic on his headset. He's about to get a real shock. All right, Mom. I'm a golden god, and you can tell BuzzFeed my last words were, I'm on drugs. Oh, don't do those. Okay. Randy, don't do drugs. (laughs) You finally got a movie where you could do the don't do drugs thing. I know. Yeah. I was so excited. That's pretty Mm -hmm. great. I like that. Also with us, as you heard his name mentioned before, Randy, this movie has one-fourth Goldie Hawn boob and one-fourth Kurt Russell boob, Jordan. Aloha, Scott. Brian, Brian. Randy. So, yeah, I know, I know. It's 2009, <laughs> and you've been trying this podcasting thing for a while, but someone needs to tell you, podcasting is dead. Dead. You came along just in time to hear the death rattle, the last gasp. I'm sure you're great, but these stand-up comedians will ruin podcasting. They'll take away everything that was real and spontaneous and personal about it, and they'll never even acknowledge you. You know how there's this brand new thing called Twitter, and you you have hundreds of followers? Well, guess what? These famous stand-up comedians have thousands. Some of them have 10,000 followers. That's like everyone on Twitter. Preach. Do, you, do you think you're going to get sponsored by the huge advertisers like Fandango or Foursquare? Hell no. You're going to have to ask your listeners to like kickstart your shows, and that will <laughs> never make you any money. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I, I don't know. I can offer you 35% off coupons on brand.com, I guess, but you have to put me at the top of the show, okay? The top. Wow. 
top. <laughs> Got to say, decent Philip Seymour Hoffman. Pretty good. Oh, uh, not yeah. bad. Not bad. You kind of, you kind of are the Philip Seymour Hoffman of this. Yeah, that was really good. Uh, yeah, you sounded just like. Also, him. don't do drugs. Yeah, don't do drugs. Uh, finally, Brian. He also likes to pee when I'm in the tub writing a bit. Doing it right now. Uh, okay, if we're all gonna die on this plane, uh, there's a few things I need to get off my chest. Look, you guys hired me to be the official documentarian of your band, and over the course of the tour, little by little, I fell in love with each and every one of you. First off, every time I blamed a fart on the groupies, it was me. Uh, the food you guys eat on tour is just too damn rich for my tastes. I mean, do we have to stop at every single Cracker Barrel? Oh. Second. When we were all huddled together before you went on stage, I farted then too. But I draw the line at all of us peeing in the same room together. Third, when you were all in the hotel, I took Polaroids of my junk and hid them all over the tour. Now, before the plane hits the ground, let's all sing together like we did on the tour bus. Sporty, baby, scary, join me. I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really, really really want. So tell me what you want, what you you really, really really want. want. I want to be. Uh, <laughs> That's as much as I wrote down. I could keep going. <laughs> uh, no, I think you're good. I think we got that idea. Don't. Do I anymore. think we all kind of went with a similar uh, ideology this time. And, and I'll tell you, a little I'll different you takes, though. Yeah. Like, right off the top, I gotta say, this movie, whether or not you think it's it's good from like beginning to end as a whole, it has moments that you will never forget and will never be replicated mm-hmm. in film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um. Okay, almost famous. Tell people the, what the movie is. Yeah, it's, it's almost famous. Uh, <laughs> written and directed by Cameron Crowe, semi autobiographical about his life growing up as a wannabe writer in his early teens. And uh, this is sort of about him, although the band's fake, but it, at the time it was the Allman Brothers, and there's all this other story. We'll get to all that in a minute. But here's the thing this is my first viewing of Almost Famous. And uh, me too. I don't know why it's the kind of movie I would have seen. And would have recommended to people at the time. And would have, would have been totally in my jam in 2000 when it came out. And I don't know why I didn't see it, theaters or otherwise. And it just, I don't know, I just never got around to it. And I just my memory of it at the time was critics were raving and going, oh, man, this thing, it's so good. What a what a great little time capsule of a, a little piece of the 70s and all that. Having seen it now, all these years later, 21 years later, think of that. Mm-hmm. Um. I think they were right. This is a damn good movie. It's really yeah. good. Yeah. Like yeah. legitimately I'm with, I'm with really you, freaking good. Except I have a couple of things. We'll get to those that, that I don't think hold up that are that are a, a, a weird choice. And I'm saving that because it's a big discussion. But overall, man, Almost Famous is like a damn fine. Maybe my, I, I, I think it's officially my favorite Cameron Crowe film. Yeah. Uh, this is yeah, my I don't think it's. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna—I was gonna say this is my first viewing as well, and I think I'm on the same bus as yeah. Scott because I believe this movie felt at the time like an earlier '90s film, but now at 2021, I love this movie. I'm like, mm-hmm. how did I miss this? And I'm glad I did miss it because in in 2000, I would have poo pooed on this and went, eh, too derivative of everything <laughs> else that's coming out during the '90s. But being this far away from it, I'm like, wow, this is a really good movie. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I don't has... think it's going too far to say that this is one of the five best movies we've ever watched for film sack. Yeah, 
Oh, Breakfast Club whoa. is up there. No, I, name, yeah, name. I agree. I, I agree. Know. I think. I don't think yeah. it's. Uh, I'm trying to. Th- I mean, it is a bold statement, I, but let's think of anything else. And the, and the thing is, I don't want to be like the negative on this episode. But because <laughs> but, like, <laughs> I've, I've seen we don't movie, we don't pick our roles, Randy. I've seen this movie like 15 <laughs> times. I must right. like it. Like I must like this movie. It, it's got to be a movie right. that I really like. I've seen it so many times. I I can sit and 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 I, I did this last night i sat and and quoted the quotes before they the actors on the screen said them mm. i but it's not that great mm. like this is a this is a perfectly competent film he's very much come into his own as a filmmaker at this point this goes between jerry Maguire and vanilla sky you know it's it's like singles jerry Maguire, almost famous vanilla sky elizabeth town but I just had all these thoughts about Cameron Crowe as a filmmaker. And like, it's the movie's 21 years old now. And I'm just like, as I was watching it, I just kept thinking, oh, it's too bad he didn't make Elizabethtown first because that's the road trip movie that he clearly wants to make during Almost Famous. And he can't, you know, like the story doesn't allow it, you know? And it's I, just, I guess I've never seen yeah, Elizabeth Town like, just... either. I need to see that one as well. I, yeah. It's so funny. I say, oh, this is my favorite Cameron Crowe, but really. When I think of Cameron Crowe, I think Jerry Maguire, Cameron, Fast, yeah, Times, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and now this. Like I, I went Vanilla Sky, which is weird, you, right? Like I don't have. You don't think yeah. Singles because like Singles was the first like movie I saw as a teenager that just knocked me down about being a young adult. You know, like never where, saw like, Singles. That's why because I don't. It's I, funny. I I saw and they probably came out a lot further apart but i saw singles and reality bites seemingly so close together that i yeah, totally conflate yeah. the two and and, and things that was that a problem from one yeah, yeah right. there was, maybe it was just that there were two movies that came out really close to each other that kind of all were all dealt with the same issues and right. uh, and so i put those two together when, never saw when, when friends came on tv i remember thinking those people were a an older generation than me like they weren't but i remember feeling like they were like oh these are people who have jobs and so on and i'm i'm not there yet and like it didn't ever it didn't ever capture my heart you know friends was like this this crazy bubble where they they live in half million dollar apartment and then, you know what i mean and do nothing and no, one, no one really seems to have a job yeah yeah singles singles was singles was that one-two punch of oh this is accessible to me i understand how these people are living these lives even though they're just a few years older than me and i and i anticipate i will too and the other punch was, of course, the music. And we have to, you know, you, if you're going to talk about a Cameron Crowe movie, you're going to talk about music. It's just, yeah. uh, you know, like, of course, this is the movie about music, but every one of his movies what, is 1. about 5, music. 1.5 million, I think, is what they spent on the on the music budget or something like that. Or or no, no 3.5. 3. 3. Yeah, the average, usually in a right. movie like this, you're, you're about a million five or something, and, and you get away with it with this one. They spend a ton more. And I really felt it. Like the soundtrack's the strongest yeah. point of the film for me. It's just really, yeah. really great. And even when the uh, Stillwaters are singing, yeah, mm-hmm. which is not a real band, although their songs no. were written by real people, uh, the the songs came off as like legitimate and of the time. And I'm, I'm I'll just say it. I think this is Jason Lee's best performance. I can mm-hmm. I can't think of another yeah. movie where I'm like, oh, Jason Lee, you're amazing. He's kind of just Jason Lee in everything. But yeah. for whatever reason, the fit here is just 
and I really this, like him. They, I should make that clear. And it's because it's less Jason Lee ish than uh, Chasing Amy. Right. And, and right. so we had we had all I'm seen all Chasing right, Amy, and yeah. he's just himself. Right. 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 And this, he's actually playing a role. You know. Yeah. And I love mm-hmm. him as Earl. Don't get me wrong. I love him in everything. I actually really like Jason Lee, but I. I think that uh, actually this is funny. My two favorite roles now for Jason Lee are this and syndrome in the first, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh Incredibles movie. He was great as that <laughs> villain, but he's, he's really good in this. And uh, Billy Crudup, I just got to say freaking my gosh. I, I just think of him as blue wiener in, in, uh, 2009. <laughs> uh, the, I, I didn't uh, even recognize him watcher. here. Yeah. Because all the hair and the mustache. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. I love no that way. guy. There's something yeah, about he's, him. He's great. Yeah. It's very, something very compelling. And I watched, uh, before we recorded today, I watched a, they did a reunion thing, uh, with Cameron Crowe, Kate Hudson, Billy Crudup. And, uh, uh, main dude, uh, Patrick Fugit. Fugit. Yeah, Salt Fugit. Lake City's own Patrick Fugit. Fugit by oh, way. really? Yeah, okay. Utah Connection. It's born here. And they interviewed him about the making of the movie and stuff. And, um, you know, Billy Crudup puts himself, I think, so much into his roles that you don't know who he really is. So when you right. see an interview with him, you're like, okay, is that is that just another act? Like, is he... <laughs> Is he acting like a nice guy here too? Because uh-huh. he seems like he does really well. But I saw him in that um, the morning show on um, Apple TV Plus, oh, yeah. and he plays such a dick character, and it looks like it's so effortless that yeah. uh, <laughs> he's so good. He's so good. I think he's an under yeah. uh, undersung actor. I think so too. Yeah, because well, everything and- he's in, he just not only nails it, but just brings this weird presence to things. I just think he's great. In, in his prime, in that 25 to 35 years old range, he somehow got overrode by Jim Caviezel. Mm. And they kind of they kind of live in the same spot in my brain, these two actors. Mm. But they did very different things, right? Caviezel always wanted to be these high-minded roles, right? He wanted to to put together a career that, you know, made him look like a great actor. Whereas Billy Crudup took roles like this one, mm-hmm. but where, you know, it was just, it was just a good fit for him, you know? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it really was like, I, I totally lost that there was an actor in there and I was following Russell Hammond, the rock guitar God, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's Th- just great. Thank God Brad Pitt didn't end up fitting in there. I'm glad they both, Said, yeah, this ain't working out. This yeah, that's a that's a piece of trivia it. that um, definitely feels pretty believable. <laughs> yeah, well, it actually is believable because they've discussed it before, right? I mean, oh, have they? Okay, so it wasn't yeah. just an IMDb. No, no, oh, no. Cameron Crowe and Brad Pitt have he, he you know, uh, Brad Pitt went in. He 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 did some readings. They did, you know, they ran through some lines and stuff, and uh, they both uh, just agreed. You know, this is not the role. You could see that. Too. You could see Brad yeah. Pitt doing, trying to do this role and being this guy. Um, but I think Crudup rose above it. Like, for example, it would have been harder for me to deal with the stuff at the end, which legitimately gave me a twist ending, by the way. I did not see that coming. I didn't know she sent, she gave him the kid's address. Yeah. yeah. Like that, that, to, that to me was like, oh, a total I'm threw, so me glad. Oh, yeah, I'm so it, glad. It made, it made sense when you saw it. So that that's great setup. And I, I love that setup. Like, and it, oh, it did oh, make sense. Brilliant. But when it happened, I went, wait, is he doing this first? And but why is he confused? Right. And then I went, oh shit. She sent it. Like I really didn't see it coming. Yeah. Totally took me off yeah. off my guard. And uh and and I think he as an actor did better with that than I think Pitt 
I mean, it's all guesswork because we don't see Brad Pitt. Uh, well, I, I feel like Pitt would have Pitt. He just is no nothing against him. He's great, but he eats up the scene every every time he's in something. He would just be too big. Yeah, it would yeah. just be. Yeah, it would you'd, just be you'd, all, all you'd see is Brad Pitt. You wouldn't see yeah. the character he's playing. You wouldn't see Russell for yeah. sure. Right, and also so, <clears throat> Billy Crudup's one of these guys that is aging cool. Like he does. Yeah. He's he is a he's all wrinkly and chiseled now and looking like you know he's aged 21 years since this but he he's just oh. i mean i'm not i'm a i'm a man okay and i like the ladies are you yeah i like the ladies. what you're about to say then i like the ladies <laughs> but billy crudup uh he's you know he's a good looking dude yeah. I mean, it was such a great i was so like i said i've never seen this film really uh I, i've seen the cover to this a million times and mm-hmm. just it just never struck me as something I wanted to see even reading the description I'm a high school boy is given the chance to write a story for Rolling Stone magazine I'm like eh, I don't want to watch that uh, but watching it I was like every time somebody would show up I'm like what Zoe Deschanel what <laughs> Anna Paquin I'm like how did I miss how did I miss this one yeah, was, mm-hmm. yeah these mm-hmm. people were uh... Jimmy Fallon I know. what are you doing here <laughs> That right, was so he was role. at the time he was the he was a, a main writer on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. And he was he, Jimmy Fallon was trying to get more screen time. And uh they you know, so he was auditioning for things and he was just like a really good fit. He had they filmed this like during the summer when he was off from Saturday Night Live and everything. Mm-hmm. Like just everything about that little you know, th- th- this movie is all about those little connections you know where like cameron crowe happens to be married to ann wilson well nancy. <laughs> i'm sorry nancy out. wilson guess what we're gonna you know we're gonna write a bunch of original music mm-hmm. and uh like it's just these you know no no one else could have made this movie at any other time doesn't feel like it it feels like perfect timing it felt personal uh you know like a, a very personal story and i really felt that the kid from uh from here from salt lake who played the i forgot his name already uh, Patrick Fugit. There you go. Patrick Fugit was really good and also had a freaky uh, low voice ability that really freaked me out. <laughs> I mean, it worked for the <laughs> That was pretty cool. Yeah. It worked for the story obviously, but it also was freaky right. like That gosh. might have been maybe that was his real voice. I don't know how old the actor is that, that was yeah. playing the 16-year-old. Yeah. When, no they, when they filmed, he was about 19 and Kate Hudson was about 22. Yeah, she okay. was, yeah. she was pretty Yeah, young. that worked out well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and there's a Okay, there's a trope in here, and I don't know the name of it, but let's just call it the mysterious, trippy moon chick uh, trope where mm-hmm. nothing seems to affect her. She floats in and out, and it's all good. And then later, it turns out she's got, you know, it, it's not as easy as you think it is. But whatever she's that is. Obi, it, the Obi Bong character. Yes. She she <laughs> feels like the original here in a weird way. Like, this feels like I don't know of any others before her. Clearly, there were, but. This yeah. this idea Penny, that Penny Lane's character, yeah, so, yeah. the Penny Lane yeah. character is is an interesting idea or trope, and you well, see it all the time. Based on is based on a, a real person, right? So I mm-hmm. mean, it is, right. it's yeah, yeah. But you also you see tragic. like uh, you see this in newer stuff. Well, what did we just see? Gone in sixty seconds. The minute you see uh, Brad Pitt's ex wife, uh, oh Jolie, jo- and Jolie, Jolie, Jolie comes and- out, or Jolly, as Randy would say, and oh, she's yeah. all of a sudden you're like, whoa. <laughs> Look, she's mysterious well, and, and cool, but she's mm-hmm. greasy too. And it's like there's a thing she's there. Greasy, I love that. 
Um, on TV tropes, there, there's a number of tropes that are describing Penny Lane. Of course, Manic Pixie Dream Girl has That's a, the one. A, there's one where, yeah. but yeah. she's not, right? She's a deconstruction of Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Like, she's not that, she, she is not the thing that the screenwriter gives to the main character. Yeah. Uh, right. If anything, he, he, the screenwriter is giving the main character a pain in the ass for the mm-hmm. entire movie. <laughs> you know, yeah. she only really redeems herself in the end when she sends Russell Hammond to his house. Right. Yep. Right. Uh, this kind of thing. Yeah, but, yeah. I think it's, I think it's, go ahead. I'm sorry, Randy. There's, just, there's, there's some other tropes in here, but uh, the one that, that struck me is, is something like out of the shadows mm. because that's like, that is literally what happens with this character. Like he's, he's stuck outside a concert early in the movie and she walks out of a shadow into a light and right. and then starts affecting his life and like taking him on a journey. Right. And that's like that is exactly what that trope is about. Is about those characters that you you make almost magical in their uh, first appearance. Also hats yeah. off to Michael Ingranano who played young William. He's the young William when the sister left and uh oh, just, yeah, yeah. I think that kid is a really good actor. <laughs> Like he was cracking me up. He was just perfect. Every time he said anything, it was a short part of the first part of the movie, but yeah, that kid was great. I mean, he's a, you know, yeah. mustachioed man now, but at the time <laughs> really he's rocking a wicked mullet in his, uh, Wikipedia page. Oh uh, yeah. Look at that. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm looking yeah. at it now. Not on oh, IMDb. He's all, what? he's all primped up on IMDb, but you're right. He's got a mullet on, uh, he was, uh, one of the main, I think he might've been the main kid in uh, sky high. Yeah, he's the Sky High kid. You're exactly yeah. right. Yeah, holy cow. Will Stronghold, it, which is ironic because uh, Kurt Russell's in that. And uh, huh. Kurt huh? Russell is yeah. partially responsible for the girly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't he's know if, also you, if you guys got my... Kate Hudson. Yeah, the, the one-fourth boob joke at the top of the show. I don't know how many people got that. But my thinking is, if you got Goldie Hawn and you got Kurt Russell, this is their kid, right? This is her? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good, because right. I didn't understand the, the reference. Yeah, so like, the reference like is, she, at one point, she shows one boob in this movie. She's got her robe on, and she uh, flips, uh, she's dancing around, and there's one boob. Yeah, yeah. So in my mind, it's one-fourth Goldie Hawn, one-fourth Kurt Russell. That's where I got the fourths from. <laughs> I see. That makes one I just half. Wanna, yeah. I just want to point out, Michael Angarano is also in uh, This Is Us, which uh, has always struck me as one of those TV shows that you, Scott, will eventually watch after everyone. Is has that the NBC thing? The, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. Actually, it's funny because Ibit and I were just Isn't talking it? about this. It's like a major network TV hit drama thing that Tina likes, right? Does Tina like Tina it? likes it. I watched the first season with her. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, this is pretty good. And then the second season started. I'm like, ah, you know, it just feels like more of the same. I think I'm it's, done. Yeah, it's super emotional. Like the the yeah. show is written and produced to make you feel like and it, and kind of to make you feel bad. Was and it a parent like, is it just like a parenthood ripoff or what I mean, what am I looking kind of, at here? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Is it on a the Peacock ripoff with two with two, it's got to be. Yeah, I'm sure it's on Peacock, uh, but with two time periods that you go back and forth between. I don't know if they still do that, but they did that in the first and second seasons. Interesting. Okay. Anyway, like I actually, my one of my notes about Almost Famous was, gosh, this movie is trying to make me feel things, and it like it goes hard on that one level. Like every single scene, even the shots of like a bus driving across the desert at sunrise, like Mm -hmm. it's trying so hard to make you feel things that it almost sacrifices like things like 
story, character, you know, like I, I, I also wrote over and over, I can't believe this movie has Feruza Balk and Anna Paquin and doesn't freaking use them. They're amazing actors yeah. and they're, you know, dancing around in their underwear. But then, I've got, then Feruza Balk gets an amazing moment near the end of the movie. So it kind of, she's great. Kind of made me scratch through that note. Yeah, right. She's great. But it's as, that's an interesting thing that, so I, I, I often struggle with this. I think that some moments in films that speak to me as a moviegoer uh, some, sometimes annoy or distract for other people. Like those long looks where we'll have, uh, you know, an actor's eyes in frame and they have to act with their eyes or just these moments of where a, where a scene just breathes, like you said, Randy, with with them trying to make you feel something. I don't feel like you're trying to make me feel something or but actually maybe I do feel like you're making me try to feel something and I'm trying to feel it. And I, I like those moments. Some people say mm-hmm. eh, it's hit me over the head and maybe it's just my preference, but I, I really like those things. Those, those work well for me. I, yeah. uh, yeah, they're well, I mean, I guess it depends on if they're reaching you in a more personal way. And this in particular right. did, and I don't even know why it is again, the music helps. There's that scene that is, you know, them all, post uh crudup's drug trip golden god moment and they're all on the bus and they start singing slowly starting to sing the elton john song right is really effective because that song is so good i don't even right. like elton john that much but, but that was such, the era it, when it, he was awesome and that music is right. amazing and yeah you know yeah. That, it's such a low-hanging fruit i mean it's so easy to to move us emotionally with that kind of scene yeah we just it's, uh and it's funny because that that song was not always it was never one of uh, elton john's biggest hits it was a hit but it wasn't wasn't as big as you know philadelphia freedom or your song or things like that until this movie came out and uh according to the 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 reunion special uh elton john's performed it in concert every single time since because it's become one of his one of his go-to songs partially because of this movie oh that's interesting I yeah. didn't know oh, that. It's uh, so. I guess so that's the other thing. Since I didn't see it in 2000, I assume the soundtrack was massively influential. I just didn't know about it. You know, like I mean, I knew about it, this music, so, yeah. but, it, but it was definitely one of those CDs, like singles. Like everybody, mm-hmm. everybody, everybody I knew got, got yeah. that soundtrack. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the way, to, uh, keep from, keep us from getting emails. Uh, Kate Hudson, the daughter of Bill Hudson and Goldie Hawn. They divorced when she was 18 months old. Then Goldie Hawn started uh, hooking up with Kurt Russell. Oh, so this so, is not, there's no Kurt Russell. Zero percent. There's no quarter. No Kurt DNA. Russell. I explained her last name. Damn okay. it. Damn it. I should have <laughs> known Which I thought that. was just like a stage, like, you know, she didn't right. want to come right. on. As, as like Kate Penny Lane. On. Yeah. I wonder right. how many um, emails actually made it out before you made this We'll know exactly, <laughs> like, whatever that time distance is, <laughs> you know, we'll know that. How quickly somebody scrambled to correct us in that three minutes yep. that it took us to. Uh, I'm going to post it and then I'm going to start my clock and then I'm going to see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So, yeah. so I'm, I was really into Elton John growing up. Like I studied Elton John. I wish there was an Elton John scholarship at a university. Yeah. And uh, the song in this movie that caught my attention more was Mona Lisa's and Mad Hatter's Mm -hmm. because it's such an interesting, you know, like lyric. And uh, like I realized I got to thinking it's no wonder that Cameron Crowe always sprinkles songs like this in these movies. Mm. You know, like Bernie Toppin is just 
he his heart is blown wide open on the page you know and like of course yeah tiny dancer's a a perfectly good song and you can sing along to but go read the lyrics and it's just like oh it's freaking heartbreaking yeah and yeah. and so like you you can see where you know where it comes back to it comes back to cameron crow actually did uh, he actually did this stuff. He was alive in 1972, you know, and he was listening to the radio and uh, trying to figure out what in the world Mona Lisa's and Mad Hatter's was about. And then when it finally connected with him, you know, it, it really like stuck with him for the rest of his life. Uh, like, I I wish there were a lot more filmmakers who were doing it like this, you know, like like bringing bringing those real experiences into their movies. I think John, John Hughes is probably the next one that I'd say does that. Right. And, and not just the, that real life experiences in the movie, but also the music mm-hmm. playing such a big role in the, right. uh, yeah. uh, and they're the both well. similar age. They both know how to tap mm-hmm. into the, that, that the youth culture that they came from yeah. and that sort of thing. Yeah. I totally it's, get that. Same thing, with, same thing with Led Zeppelin in this movie. It's everywhere. You can tell my gosh, Cameron Crowe loves Led Zeppelin. Yeah. yeah and unfortunately, and they love them too. They, they let them use three songs. Um, I don't know if it was royalty free, but they don't often let their songs be in movies. And so, uh, right. they let them use tangerine and, um, I think cashmere is but, in there, but no stairway, no stairway, except in a deleted scene. <laughs> Yeah. So there's, there's a deleted a scene, deleted and it's scenes. on it's on YouTube, and it's fantastic. If you, you know, if the one question you have is, all right, this overprotective mom, Frances McDormand, who's awesome, yeah. is like, you know, won't even let a record enter her house without it getting thrown in the trash. <laughs> all of a sudden, lets her son, after her daughter leaves, and you think she'd even be more overprotective, lets right. her son go on the road with a a, a rock band for um, for a while. The scene that uh, you should check out, it's, a, it's on YouTube, deleted scene, and it's um, her uh, his journalism teacher and I think the principal of the school all coming to her and saying he's been presented with this great opportunity by Rolling Stone magazine to write and be on the, on the road with this band for four days when it was originally going to be four days and, um, and to convince him, she, uh, he plays stairway to heaven for and says, well, it's, it's a Tolkien, you know, it's based on the writings of Jared Tolkien. And uh-huh. so it's got a literary background and just listen to it. And the whole scene is her is mostly her emoting while she's listening to stairway to heaven and is so damn good. And well, it's a bummer that there's no way they could have afforded to put that in the movie because <laughs> it, it would have cost a fortune. Plus but, is uh, already, the movie's a little. I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not complaining because I actually didn't really notice. But the movie's pretty long. It's already yeah, over two hours. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh you, yeah, it's that's the cut we watched. Yeah. To yeah. prepare for my uh, greeting, I went to YouTube and searched up every Lester Bang scene in this movie, and I found all kinds of things I hadn't seen when, when yeah. I watched it. Like, oh wow, there's a lot of extra stuff. A whole extended bit, him pulling albums out and talking about him in the uh, in the radio studio and mm-hmm. and talking to William over breakfast or whatever they had yeah according to trivia he was uh super sick through this whole thing the whole the the whole thing he had the flu the whole time and so every shot i guess the schedule is only he could only be there for four days on set and just was Mm. flu ridden the whole time and you never could tell i mean the performance is really great but i actually i i I actually made sense that i read that i was like oh yeah he seemed like he was sweating Every yeah, time. I just thought Every it was performance, was and maybe it was, and maybe the right, heroin that's what I thought helps. too. That's I where I was like, oh yeah, I bet he was sweating. Yeah, 
He's mm-hmm. he's he's great though. By the way, this is nine. Uh, just to give you a, 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 a time frame here, nine years before Crudup would model his blue penis. Blue <laughs> penis. Yeah, nine years. Nine That's, years. Yeah, oh. he would be he would be Captain Man or Captain Mister Manhattan in uh, Captain Manhattan. <laughs> went to went to uh, Blue Peen School for yeah. four years. He's Doctor Manhattan. You have to. You got to get a doctorate in he's Blue his, Peen. Yeah, he's got his doctorate in Peen. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, that the that always blows me away because now the, my brain's all over the place on when this movie came out because in my head, <clears throat> this is pre Fargo, uh, but it's clearly not Fargo right. with Francis McDormand is what ninety six, so we're well ahead of this, right? And uh, but in my head, it's backwards. She's yeah, she's doing yeah. this before that, Fargo. Like I said, this this movie definitely feels like it's it's got an earlier nineties vibe and would have annoyed me in two thousand because I'd have been like, eh, derivative. But you would have you would have felt like this was like uh, freak or not freaks and geeks, but um, uh, what was the the movie we saw it? Uh, uh, stoned and out in the woods. What's it called? Uh, Dazed and confused. Dazed and confused. That's it's the one. Exactly. Yeah. Not, the not stoned I, and out in the woods. Stoned and out in the woods. It? I think okay. that's the Blair Witch Project. <laughs> I I don't I I don't understand. I, I'm trying to make sense of what Dunaway is saying. Keep saying on this, and so the, here's my here's my direction for you. Because I saw this movie the the night the weekend it came out, and it didn't strike me at all as being late. It was right. perfectly timed. And what what the problem is is that if you were alive in 1994 to 96, I was looked, alive, and you looked around at your cohort at the mall. Guess what? Everybody looked exactly like all of the characters look in this movie in 1972. For some reason, all of the wardrobe from this movie was replicated by the generation that were young adults in 1995. Mm. And it's just like it was this flash. We were all wearing two shirts, one unbuttoned outside the other. We were all wearing vests suddenly, (laughs) this kind of thing. It was really it's really striking now to watch this movie because it really feels like a 95 movie. But it's but it's about people in seventy two. It's just a strange fashion thing that happened. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, it was. Uh, here's the thing I noticed about it when I watched it. I went, "Oh my gosh, my kids have not seen. I don't think they've seen it. My daughters in particular, they would love this. Like as soon as yeah. I finished this, I went, "Oh my gosh, I got to tell Carter and, and Taylor they got to like they got to watch this movie because." To me, the just the feeling of the movie are are my two daughters. Like, there's just something about it, and I don't mean they're like the freaking girls, the band aids. Yeah, I don't mean that. <laughs> what I what I mean though is just like this music and what is music, man, and all that stuff is so up their alley. And I'm oh yeah, a little bummed I, mean, I didn't share. Everybody, yeah, I think everybody between thirteen and to the young adult is 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 exploring music for the most part. Yeah. What, whatever that, whatever that is to your generation, like 20, uh, 10 through 15 in that range. Had right. I known this movie would be like that, I would have shared it with them and they would have been like, yeah, it would have been their what favorite is life. Thing. You know, music really mm-hmm. says it because it allows you to interpret it to wherever. Well, it's a lot like, you know, eight years later you'd get Nick and Nora's, uh, yeah. Infinite playlist, fantastic adventure or whatever the hell it's called. Yeah. the playlist. <laughs> Um, and my, and that's, that's how they, they revere that movie. They love that movie, yeah. but it's this, it's kind of this, it's, it's set in a modern time or, you know, a wait uh, time, but, but it's this same thing. It's, 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 uh, coming of age and finding out who you are and, you know, 
growing up and hitting that 17, 18 range where things are about to change massively in your life. And movies, when movies get that right, it's pretty universal. It's a guy, it's a great universal language because we all had to do it or we're all going to have to do it or we're all doing it. And for us, it was, you know, for me anyway, it was breakfast club was that movie. And for my kids and for other people's kids, I'm sure they have their own that they can point to, including breakfast club, which just seems to carry forward. And and you gotta, you gotta include singles. And for your kids generation, Scott, I would imagine something like Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Oh, they love that movie. Every, you know, every, just every generation has these movies. That's all they talk um, to to this day. It comes up at every dinner or whatever we're doing. It's like, well, it's like that thing in Scott Pilgrim. I'm like, oh my gosh, well, here we go again. With oh Scott Pilgrim. God, would you guys shut up already? <laughs> they love that freaking thing. Now, did anybody I, else? Was... Did anybody else see uh, Anna Paquin get on screen? And as soon as she did, just I was by myself down here in the studio, and I went, "Sucker, sucker." Like, am I the only one? I probably was. Uh, you were Let the only one, you. but. Uh... You felt it though. I right? didn't like those granny panties they were sporting in their little <laughs> dance, but I mean, I got to understand it was the '70s. <laughs> right, exactly. So that's yeah, fine. Yeah, they fine. French cut. Uh, yeah, I grew up during the thing, '80s, yeah. so I'm expecting yeah. some French cut, you know. But hey, what you gonna do? Were the French really responsible for those French cut? <laughs> were, were they really cutting it up Just like as that? much as they know. were as responsible for French fries and French and doors? French, yeah, and French kissing. Yeah, and French kissing. I feel like what it's one of those. What are you doing right things? now? Get your tongue out of my face. It's like, oh, that's any any new thing you do, put French in front of it, and suddenly it's. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Cultural? Cooler. It's French yeah. podcasting is what we're doing right now. Oh, right. Yeah, oh, totally. Which means full tongue. Mm. <laughs> By the way, well, I, did, I didn't get to mention like uh, Heather's was kind of like. Just, oh, yeah, I, sure. I, I'm such a, I, I'm almost mm-hmm. like an in-betweener in, 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 in my generation. It's like I'm, I'm right on the cusp of where Heather's was important. And that's such a narrow. And if. If it weren't for the violence in Heather's, you could easily see that being either a Cameron Crowe or a John Hughes right. film. Oh, yeah, but for then, sure. But then, you know, yeah. you look at, all right, well, it's, it it derives stuff like Mean Girls and 10 Things I Hate About You and Not Another Teen Movie. I mean, that one probably more than anything else was responsible for that that dark direction. Not dark, but that direction right. that teen movies took in the uh, late 90s. And early Heather's, also had a, Heather's also had a... Uh, one of those oversimplifications of of uh, how to how to express uh, someone who is gay. Like in this one, it was the, during the plane crash. In others, it was like I love my dead gay son. Right, right. So you know. Oh, it's interesting when when you said took a dark turn. My first thought was the movie Go, which is okay. actually oh. way later. It's the late nineties. Yeah, uh, but my that was my first thought. That Doug Lyman film. He. He had also made Swingers, right? Mm-hmm. And and Go is about some young adults who are, you know, they have a bunch of they're looking for a party. Uh, yeah, and, Elvis and, Costello's at or something, right? Yeah, there's a and there's a bunch of music and like the soundtrack mm-hmm. is like super important to the mm-hmm. whole thing, and it has like Katie Holmes and Jay Moore and I don't know, Tay Diggs is in there. Yeah, uh, it's like like that that not dark as in the characters are in sort of evil conflict but just dark as in there isn't a there isn't a big hero to be found here everybody's just living their lives right is that what kind of what you meant i mean i would say that's true like that that's hard now that you say it that way it's actually hard to do or it must be hard to do like like trying to create this slice of time and moment and then have it be feel meaningful and 
recognizable to multiple generations and then but like also be realistic and be right? realistic yeah it's hard i think that's probably hard like a lot of those 80s teenager movies they're not realistic at right. all and that's fine like right. we like that we like that there's a little bit of magic right mm-hmm. but when you say teenager movies kind of got dark i think oh well they, they took the magic away yeah. and they just made it more realistic you guys remember when yeah. freddie prince jr came along and their whole group yeah, yeah. Oh, and, uh, sarah michelle geller yeah and, uh, Love you yep. Yeah. 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 The, the I know what you screamed last summer. Group. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah they, when, they had their uh, time in the sun, that group. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When, yeah. when Freddie Prince Jr. made those, I know what you did last summer movies and then made, she's all that I oh, declared, that. I declared I'm, this is the horse that I'm going to ride. He is going to be Marlon Brando <laughs> for them, for my generation. Uh-huh. And no, no, not no, at all. He didn't not even it. close. So, no. so sad. It, he it was wasn't even moment. the Freddie Prince of his generation. No. No. Moment. It makes me sad because it was great. <laughs> he, he, he mainly was Fred from uh, Scooby-Doo. That's mainly what he <laughs> yeah. became. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but every, every generation has that, right? We had the Brat Pack growing up and, and then right. there was another, you know, the, you graduate. Brat Pack and the, uh, yep. Yeah. And I don't know what they are the today. Pack. What do we got today? What are, what are we doing today? Is it like uh I'm trying to think who it'd be? Uh, so who's the hotness right now? I mean, well, no, who's like well, the young? I mean, I've watched I've watched Riverdale characters and actors. Yeah, but I see they're but they're out. kind of contained in that show. You know what I mean? Is it like is it the Hudgens and the Zach Efron's, or am I still am I too late? Am I? I think I, Efron. Ten years, I think he might be right. ten years too late. Ten I know, years too late. Going, who's that? Dude. But the- I you not. I just I've just been rewatching Firefly for the millionth time. Yeah, and Zac Efron is in that. TV oh my gosh! Show. Really? Really? Yeah, he plays young Simon Tam, and it's mind blowing when you see him. I saw wow. Seventeen again with my daughter the oh, other yeah. day because yeah. they just had it on. And I walked in. I go, "What's this? Oh, it's Seventeen again, Dad. You never seen it? You'd you like it. Sit down." It's like a Freaky Friday, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. I really don't like that movie. I really hate it. <laughs> I hated it. I really hated it. And I don't mind those kinds of like I 33 or 13 going on 33 or whatever it is. Uh, yeah. The same concept, just with the girl. Mm-hmm. Love that one. That's great. Yeah. I enjoy it. it I'll there's see a it. Vince, there's, have you guys seen uh, the Vince Vaughn Freaky Friday? Thing. Oh, I just freaky! Saw the one that's just called freaky, right? Yeah, and it's like he's a serial killer and jumps into a teenage girl's body. No, is that real? Yeah, it's like oh it's, God, it's, yeah. it's it's a uh, a 2020 movie or maybe even 2021. I mean, it it came out. Oh, it's I new. think the very okay. end of last year. It is brand spanking new. Oh, here yeah. it is. Oh, this the actually has decent reviews. The Bloomhouse thing. Deal. Yeah. Oh, I'd watch this. Oh, you think you would watch the trailer? Then tell me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, no. I mean, you, did you like it? You watched it? Did oh, it, I haven't uh, seen it yet, but I watched oh. the trailer, and I can't. I, I at first I was like, oh, interesting. The more I watched the trailer, I was like, oh, wow, that is some Vince Vaughnish Vince Vaughning. I've never seen some of Vince Vaughn's. <laughs> That's the most Vince Vaughning. Yeah, I'm oh, like, man, oh, I don't know fun. if I can watch that. There are some. So, there's some so gross quotes said, in it. Oof. Anyway, when you said me. who even are the young actors? Yeah. Right. Okay. I three names came to mind, and I just looked them all up real quick. Mm-hmm. And I was, I'm sad because I didn't get uh, the lowest. The youngest is 24. I couldn't. Uh, the who, are the names, three, who are the three you the came up that with? came to mind for me were Nick Jonas, Timothy Chalamet, and Tom Holland. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, Timothy Chalamet seems like a good pick, but no, he's uh, how old? And he's older he's, than 24, he's, apparently. He's the, I think he's 26. Jonas is 28. And, Tim is, uh, and uh, Tom Holland. But none of them are, but none of them are the pack. 
like they don't work together. Right. They're just doing right. stuff separately. I'm looking for that group I, where it's like, oh, there's Tom so much Holland, crossover. He's got like and, a crew they kind of work with, right? Who? Tom they're all old. Yeah, they're old. Tom Holland, they're Tom called Holland the Avengers. With, well, know, I mean, it's still, I, I still think anybody in you know in their twenties. <laughs> Tom Holland, like the Seth Rogen, Franco brothers, right? Uh, Will Ferrell, like that cluster, who I think were the frat pack, right? Yes, uh, early right? early two thousands, so right, they were the yeah. frat pack. Yeah, because you, yeah. but yeah. they were still. Yeah, because they were college age, right? They were all, and they were all doing exactly. They were frat, like frat humor, yeah. and they were all doing stuff in each other's movies. And yeah, you're right. I mean, there's nothing. It doesn't seem like there's anything like that right yeah. now. Yeah, if there well, is, Tommy McGuire was part of a weird pack. What was what was that name? The uh, the bad actors uh, pack or S- the shit Scat pack? pack. Scat pack. <laughs> no, it's something like that. It was like, uh, was it a garbage pack, pack with like uh, Leonardo DiCaprio? No, what was it? Um, really. Shit pack? Huh. Is Scott Wolf in that group? What's it? <laughs> Scott Wolf, dude. No. Oh my gosh. What's Scott just, Wolf doing? I just looked hard for Toby Maguire and the word pack, and I can't yeah. find anything. I he was good <laughs> friend, he became good friends with Leo DiCaprio, and that's it. That's all I can find. Oh my gosh, Scott Wolf is a year it. older than us. Forget that guy. Oh, is he really? Yeah. He doesn't count. <laughs> So so I don't oh, know. What it is. Uh, actually, no. There is a there is a nickname for them according yeah, to. Yeah, you can't say pop, it though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the second word is the posse. Kitty cat. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, the kitty cat posse. <laughs> okay, okay. The kid they like kitties. They like kitties. Right, exactly. Who else is in this posse? Uh, Johnny? No. Not Johnny. Depp. No, wait, Not Johnny, Johnny Depp. Depp. He's old. He's mentioned in here because of the uh, connection to uh, what's eating Gilbert Grape. Yeah, but I know it who doesn't it. say. <laughs> it just mentions Toby Maguire and oh, there we go. Toby Maguire, Lucas Haas, yeah, uh, Kevin Connolly, Jay Ferguson, uh, Sarah Gilbert, Harmony Corinne, Sarah David Blaine, Gil- Sarah Gilbert. Yeah, I love that. Ethan <laughs> Supley from My Name Is Earl. What? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know where they put this, this list of people together, but it, it almost seems like these are all people considered for the lead role and almost famous. I mean, there were, and you probably could say, well, Jason Lee's crew that he rolled with, they ended up in a lot of Kevin Smith movies, and then would cross yeah. over into other stuff that each other did. Like, there's, there's probably something there. I don't know. I just don't think we do this anymore. I don't think there's a pack. There's no pack. Mm-hmm. There's no pack. They don't make a pack. We need a pack. (laughs) There doesn't really need to be with this developed internet and social media that we've got. Like when you think about like uh, among comedy actors and comedians, like how important it was that if you were going to do that, you got into second city or the groundlings or whatever, and that kind of grouped them all up. Like you just don't need that anymore. Um, I I was like watching this movie. uh, I couldn't, I couldn't stop thinking about how Zooey Deschanel is like, uh, she's she's like given this whole extra role that really doesn't have anything to do with the rest of the movie. She's just like this tacked on thing, and you almost felt like she came in and auditioned, and Cameron Crowe was like, "I have to put this woman's face in my movie. I don't have, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't it wasn't about her connection to anything, you know? It was just like this this extra thing, and it yeah, worked. But I think there was fine. there's. Probably, and, and I'm guessing because this movie is semi-autobiographical, I'm guessing that Cameron Crowe had a sister who just wasn't in his life for a lot of his formative years. Yeah, and, and, um, and so maybe he thinks of her as kind of this mysterious... This cam- this, per- this person who made a cameo in his life early on yeah. and then disappeared for a while. 
Great. Yeah, this is real. This is real early for her. It's almost her her first role. Yeah, like, it's, mm-hmm. that should be the name of her her movie. It was almost first role. <laughs> almost. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, it's. It, I commented to Tina. I said because when you see her the second time and she's all make up up in her uh, flight attendant outfit. I guess stewardess back in the seventies. Yeah. 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 Um, I said, well, this is the first time I've ever seen Zoe Deschanel look like Katy Perry. Usually it's the other way around. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's totally interesting. Holy crap. Man, yeah. I thought of that. She, she, she is immediately the same as I think of her today. Like, I don't think she changes much. She looks exactly no. the same. I think she sleeps in like a hyperbaric chamber or something. Yeah. And- it doesn't age. Is she? Oh, I'm sorry. It says here in 2020, she was in a Katy Perry video called Not the End of the World playing the wrong <laughs> nice. Katy Perry. Get out, really? Yeah, I'm not oh, kidding. That's, right. hilarious. that's no, her most recent it. acting gig, it says here. I have another uh, another YouTube video to watch wow. when we're done here. All right. I, uh, there's there's way That's way too great. many small roles in Almost Famous to talk about. Uh, I, I don't think I don't think there's really any need to talk about like Rain Wilson. But why I, not? <laughs> no, 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 no. We need to. We need to because hold on a second. This Rain Wilson thing was what I was uh, what I was alluding to earlier in the show, and so we'll do it now. The worst part of this movie, the part where I, the bottom falls out a little bit for me, and it's really the only part, is anything to do with Rolling Stone headquarters. Those oh, guys really? are yeah. weird. What about Everybody, Ben Fong Torres, like yes, I was, that's that's what I wanted piece. to say. I don't yeah. mind them. I'm saying it's that is all a cartoon when they're there, oh, and, and including Rain Wilson saying. with his cigarette holder and him going, "Hmm, yeah." Like, what does he do for the company? Like everything just, about that right. stuff seemed weird and funky to me, and I never liked it when we were there. But I just wanted I wanted so much to talk about uh, Terry Chen as Ben Fong Torres because he is such a sight to see and hear. It's amazing. I just like I'm just like stunned into paying attention when Ben Fong Torres is on the screen in this thing. Mm. He's a, a, a Terry Chen is a, a Canadian actor. He's from Alberta, and uh, he had a small role in The Expanse. Scott, you might have noticed. Oh yeah, um, I did know that. And uh, uh, he's just like he's one of these people. I'm like, why did we not get more of this guy? He's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's great. And by the way, everyone who works in Canada, I have good news for you. At some point, you will end up working on the expanse. That's just the yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It is your it's really, right. It's yeah. really like uh, they have numbers, uh, like they do for jury duty. And all right, we're taking uh, ten thousand three hundred forty-two through ten thousand three hundred eighty-seven. Yep. Please show up here. Yep. Be here, and uh, we'll put you in that or Kim's convenience, or if you're lucky, uh, you might have a walk-on on the Mandalorian because everyone films everything up here. But anyway, uh, yeah, uh, he's he's interesting. It's nothing wrong with him. There's nothing wrong with Rain Wilson. This would have been just a year or two after uh, Galaxy Quest, I guess. So he was still really? just kind of nobody. And I'm wondering if let's see the office started here in the states in what '04. So he was still yeah. four away, four years away from where he would truly see stardom. But but seeing Rain Wilson in this role as just this cartoon, like he was just mm-hmm. a cartoon. They all were. And I don't, so I don't have a problem with the actors. The guy that played the publisher's fine. The um, the girl who's mad because the notes suck and she doesn't. Oh, that was terrible. That was a terrible yeah. role. I oh, it was horrible. Yeah, and it just I don't know. You it was know, so throwaway. I just didn't. I didn't and maybe it. it's meant to. Maybe it's written in a way to make you feel like Cream was the real deal because they really cared about the music and Rolling right. Stone was just this cartoon company this yeah. cartoon magazine they were corporate and it, it was, yeah and, exactly because yeah. it was supposed to be from the the viewpoint of you know the rock bands and the journalist and so yeah mm-hmm. that makes sense yeah i i think brian's probably right and so yeah. 
he also probably uh, I could be wrong here, but I'll bet Cameron Crowe's got some resentment toward the people he had to do work for oh, and early what? in his career. Maybe. Yeah. So but, I think he's but throwing the person a person moderating fun. that reunion thing that I'm I'll, I'll stop bringing up, I promise. But no. Uh was a uh <laughs> a head writer for Rolling Stone magazine. He says that it's it's regarded as the holy grail in their office. They love this film. Oh really? <laughs> Yeah, That's hilarious. so they don't feel they, if 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 there's any sort of like uh, mocking of Rolling Stone, they're not seeing it. <laughs> they're, oh, interesting! They're, yeah. they're just like, yeah, that's pretty much us. We got to do it over there with a the cigarette right. holder, and we got uh, <laughs> it's, it's four thousand words on my desk by the end of the day. It's definitely not a kind portrayal. Cameron Crowe is is trying yeah. to get you to see that they that they were hoodwinked by a fifteen year old. You know, mm-hmm. like they're mm-hmm. not that smart. That's uh, a smoke-filled room where they're not getting much done, you know, yeah. uh, like for sure. But it's also it's the point of the movie, right? It's like the scene where he finally gets to tell the band that they're going to be on the cover, and they start really badly performing uh, that that uh, weird song by uh, what is it, Doctor Hook? Oh, the cover uh, of the Rolling Stone. Yeah, yeah. On the uh, cover that was, of the Rolling Stone. That was actually a moment that bothered me because Jason <laughs> Lee is a lead singer of a rock band. He should have had a really great singing voice. Anyway, <laughs> they um, practiced. They tried. Yeah, they I did. yeah. Well, yeah. he was drunk because uh, they'd just been drinking. He ate something spicy, and his voice wasn't as good as it is. I knew there was an explanation. I yeah. knew it. Yeah, yeah. Like the plot of the movie, right? Is that this fifteen-year-old kid is trying to get something written for Rolling Stone, right. and then ultimately they they decline, but yeah. then he gets it done anyway yeah. by, by, by the magic. And like, that was great. I just feel like it kind of made Rolling Stone look a little dickish. Yeah. They were, they, they, absolutely. They did. Okay. A grand. <laughs> it's just so, I don't know. There's something about those guys. All right. I got a gross moment. See if you guys can figure it out. Gross. All right. Any guesses? It's a very specific. I, well, combina- I mean, I'll call it a combination of things. That's your hint. The, the I okay, so I I don't know if this is where you're at, but I am ignorant because I don't do drugs. <laughs> I am ignorant when it comes to stomach pumping, and I did oh. not even know how any of that worked, and that kind of freaked me out. Mm-hmm. But I don't know where you were at. You just pump a couple of cups of water into somebody's stomach, and it gets so big that they expel everything in it. I yeah. I yeah, I get it. <laughs> I didn't understand it. I've never, I've never had any need to understand. What it's a horrifying was. prospect. There's nothing great. Yeah, about, yeah. I always yeah. thought you went somebody to the tells hospital. you to swallow a. Uh, right. I thought you went to the like, hospital and they had some kind of special <laughs> pump or something. I didn't know you could just throw them in the tub and get a hot water bottle like they used to have and some tubing. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. And the water, well, I think, it. is hot. Not hot, but warm is the right. idea because your stomach rejects it quicker. And that, that was definitely a gross scene. But I noticed this viewing how the point of the scene was to see Patrick Fugit yep. watching what was happening. Yep. Still finding it sexy for some reason. Not sexy. Yeah. I don't think that's what he was doing. He was looking at it as this purgeable moment, a moment of my love. I have real love for her. This is what's happening right now. Is has to happen, and so the I'm, love you, the love music, and her rubbing her feet together 
I don't think that's him going. Like you would see in a sexual scene. No, not dude. Freaking stomach. Well, someone somewhere's into stomach pumping in a way that I don't want to know about. But I don't think that's him. They were playing this loving music, and they had her rubbing her feet together, like you would see, like after you threw some sheets. How would you see in some love scenes? I was like. I don't know. Like I, my my takeaway from that, my takeaway from that was that he was seeing the full beast at, from beginning from right. from pixie <laughs> pixie dream girl down to what the real reality was, and it's like and that's it, probably a good they point. Just had their argument about you know well not just but not not too long before in the movie had their their argument about when is this real life going to kick in you know when are you going yeah, to see yeah. that there this isn't just all like fairy tale follow the band. You've got to disconnect sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I I want to take a stab at it because I, I kept noticing something that really kind of grossed me out. And that was through all of this, through all of this drinking and smoking, God, the smoking, so much smoking and drugs and throwing up and so on Mm -hmm. that Kate Hudson was just wearing the same cashmere lined leather jacket. And I'll bet that jacket, (laughs) I'll bet that jacket was freaking gross. So disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. You're not wrong. No, I think you hit on something is that there was a lot of throwing up and no teeth brushing afterwards. So there's something, hold on is it that they go for a walk and you know she still hasn't brushed her teeth? No, but I, but, but I did think of that. Whiskey. You're not you're not you're not wrong that I thought of it because I did. I thought of that, but I didn't. <laughs> it didn't bother me too much because in my head I'm like, yeah, these actors are they're just acting. So that stuff didn't bother okay. me. Here's all what right. bothered me: all of them, meaning dude in the tub, but then all those girls rushing into the bathroom while she's peeing. Uh-huh. And right, all just right. hanging around in proximity of the pier like that. Right. right <laughs> That's right. gross. <laughs> That's freaking gross. You don't need to be like, you know, hovering around the toilet and she's smiling like it's all fine. Are you urinating? You're, that's gross. That's gross. You know that toilet's gross to begin with, first of all. Let's talk about, you know, the way that bands and groupies treat hotels. It's a legendary what they're, they're doing. They're famous. They're almost famous for it. Yeah. <laughs> they're almost famous for doing that. So she's did sitting anybody, there taking a Did anybody leave. else watch that scene and come up with a yes-no question on whether or not uh, the main character lost his virginity in the in what we didn't see? Oh, yeah. No, he I mean, totally he did. He lost it. Yeah, yeah. He implied it at the end anyway. Well, he right? totally did. But also she – well, according to Crow, that part was – was autobiographical. Like, that happened to him. Well, sure. I'd say that, too, if I put that scene in my movie. <laughs> it was, it was yeah, this really happened to me. Yeah. yeah. You look at him now and you think, oof. But, you know, when he's 15, maybe things were fine. I don't I know. Freaking no. love, I love <laughs> Feruza Balk so much. She is, she is way underutilized in this movie. At this point, she's already got a huge career behind her. I love how she keeps getting on the phone with people who are authority figures. <laughs> just I don't know why it makes me laugh when she talks to his mom, when she talks to his editor. Just it's just there's something about she is so perfect. Waking up and putting a phone against your face, yeah. it makes me laugh even just thinking about it. I don't know if you guys noticed, but I'm looking at a recent photo of Cameron Crowe, and that dude looks like oh David, who uh, we see him all the time. He was in Star Trek Six. Uh, he was uh oh david warner david warner i'm gonna put this in the chat or in our thing and then you, you know can... who i'm talking about you've seen star trek six that guy <laughs> <laughs> don't you get that vibe or so- something from a him. little bit yeah not not as much in that photo as in, in some other ones but there's uh or something about i i can't even quite put yeah. my finger on it but there's something he he looks like a british somebody and it, maybe um, it isn't david warner uh, Stephen fry he looks like Stephen fry a little bit yeah, like maybe if you 
if Stephen Fry and David Warner had a baby. <laughs> he said that in such a longing way, like a longing. Like if they had a baby. You know, if those two could just have a baby. <laughs> if they could just touch wieners, we'd have this guy. Yeah, I'm uh, looking at uh, photos of David Warner, trying to find one that's kind of similar to that. I guess this one maybe. He also he also looks a little bit like uh, Douglas Adams, rest in peace. Oh, a little bit. Great yeah. man. Yeah, a little bit. Oh yeah, there's an old David Warner shot. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. That is. That can is some, you can burns. you believe Douglas Adams has been gone for 22 years and was in his 40s when he died? I know it was 50s. No, 40s. Really? Oh wow! I did not know that. I thought he was. I thought he was. I don't know what I thought. It's just, uh, it kills me. Yeah, it sucks. He that dude had more to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, wait, for no, sure. he was in his. Hold on, that's not right. Oh yeah, he was, was forty nine. You're right, forty freaking nine. He looked a lot well, older than forty nine. His forty nine. You know, let me take. Let me take this moment to have you guys help me with something. I've had uh, Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency sitting in my queue to watch or not watch for a long time. And if you guys watch it, should I should I take it out of my queue or keep it in my queue? I would take it out. I you know I've I've read all of his books repeatedly throughout my my life, and so I'm probably the worst critic of anything made based on his writings sure but i i just i, I i'm very harsh on it i, I okay I, I wouldn't i don't think it's good right, really the, the the hitchhiker's guide movie the books. Yeah. oh yeah so much like i those two books i can't oh it kills me that he didn't make more books but anyway uh the hitchhiker's guide movie the more recent one with uh with you know bilbo and Mm-hmm. And uh, like yeah, Martin Freeman and uh, you, Martin Sam Freeman. Rockwell, yeah, uh, was such a great attempt. Like it was, you know, it like proved that you can't do this. You can't do Douglas Adams. I enjoy, I enjoyed the hell out of that movie, but but I also knew what I was seeing couldn't live up to my book reading. I, I mean, it was a weird. I have a weird dual relationship with that movie because I think it's really yeah. fun and yeah. still to this day a great watch, but it doesn't even compare. Like it's not even close to the book. So, but I can still, I don't know. It's one of those movies. Actually, it's one of the first ones in my life where I can say that my revered status of the source material was not met, but I still had a good time. I can't say that. Yeah, about that's most exactly things. what I'm saying. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's weird. It's weird. That movie that sits in a weird place for me in my head. And, and you know what? They're going to keep trying. Like if you live another 40 years, you're going to see mm-hmm. all see this stuff adaptation. again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they'll do it again. When, well, I don't mm-hmm. know when, but. You know, go ahead. I'd say get in there. I was speaking Probably to Zoe Deschanel. She's Zach in there. Efron and, uh, and <laughs> yeah. Vanessa Hudgens and oh, the Jonas gosh, Brothers. Dude. Okay, wait. Back up. I changed my mind. I don't want that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't want it. Um, all right. So this movie is listed as a drama slash comedy. I would like yeah. to know if anything made anyone out laugh out loud. And I will share what made me laugh out loud. Uh, first to start us off the thing that made me literally <laughs> guffaw like by myself yeah. laughing here was when that girl smacked into the wall chasing the bus yeah for his bulk running into the wall as that she was like, so funny. Out of the bus. i even knew it was coming and i started laughing because of that yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's one of my complaints about the movie and i can't I, I again i cannot let you think that i don't like this movie but he uses that motif again later and it's just like no camera well, when, when uh williams running to yeah. stay stay parallel with the plane because i was waiting for him to hit yeah, yeah. exactly that's exactly <laughs> right. why he shouldn't have done that it should have uh, just francis, been, 
That's funny. Francis McDormand yelling, don't do drugs. Oh, my God. And everybody's going. You know, everyone talks like you remember that Kate Hudson was nominated for Best Supporting Actress for this. Yeah. uh, Because she was so great. But no one remembers that Francis McDormand was also nominated. And that seems like the bigger travesty that she didn't Mm. get it. Mm. She absolutely should have gotten it. Yeah. There's a bunch of little comic relief moments like when. Uh, when Russell Hammond gets shocked and they try to escape through driving through a gate and the, the promoter is behind them on a golf cart honking this tiny little horn yelling, lock the gate. I don't know oh, why yeah. that just made me laugh. Yeah. That's a uh, Mark Marin, a podcaster. Mark. Oh yeah. Marin. That's right. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, right. I looked, I, I saw Marin. the trivia and went, Oh, I'm going to look for this. And then I didn't see it, but yeah, that was him. Okay. That makes um, sense. And, the, and it's stuff like that. Like you're, you're not going to laugh out loud, but like when Zooey Deschanel says to, to her little brother, someday you'll be cool. Like, Oh, it's so funny. Yeah. It's good. There were lots of funny. I, there were many moments I grinned or laughed or both. Yeah. And, uh, but then moments where I was like, Oh, <laughs> so it's Francis McDormand nominated for Fargo as well. Did she win that year? Or nay, she did not. No, she okay. was nominated. It went to uh, Marsha Gay Hardon for Pollock. Oh, right, Gay Hardon. She got it. Forgot about <laughs> no. that. Oh, um, so but then she got it eventually for that four billboards outside my house in Ebbing, uh, Kansas Missouri. or whatever it is. That thing. <laughs> yeah, close. Yeah, more okay. or less. Yes. <laughs> uh, a well, film she, I would love to just watch and discuss with you, not necessarily to podcast about. I've still not seen it. I would like to see it. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. it's so good. And Sam Rockwell, who we've mentioned a couple times now. Yeah. Uh, uh, fantastic in there. Like, I, I, a great, deep role for him. I've heard that. And I, well, he also won, right? Didn't he win for Best Supporting? I don't, I don't remember. Uh, yes. I think he did, yes. Because yes. he, yeah. yeah, he was on stage. Yep. Yeah, he accepted Absolutely. an award but, up there, so... But like, I so want to talk, I want to talk to you about like some of the stuff in the script of that movie. Like the ending is just so controversial and I want to unpack it and talk to somebody about it. Um, McDormand also won best actress for Fargo. She did win. Okay. I knew she was nominated. I couldn't remember if she won and then rightly so. Damn it. Yes. Rightly so. It's Fargo for little shit's sake. Little Arby's on you, Marge. Right. And, well, and, and, and she, you know what's great just, is winning an Oscar while you're working for your husband. I think that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they're working together. Her and Joel Cohen married. I don't know when they got married, but a long time. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of her best work is under his direction. And I'm not saying this sounds kind of weirdly misogynistic. Like she can't do it unless it's him. That's not what I mean. I just think it's cool that you can pull that off and not hate each other. I think that's cool. Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. They did it on their honeymoon, right? I mean, not the sex, but the writing of the music. Oh, I don't know. They might have done the sex too. Uh, <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> they did what? I don't get it. They had a, they had sex and did then wrote something. What they do? Is this? Did new? they go to honeymoon? Didn't they do it on their honeymoon? They made their music. Yes, yeah, so I said it again. Didn't they do it on their honeymoon? Oh, oh, I get what you're saying now. Now I get it. Right? Didn't they write the music for this movie? This movie? Ooh. Wait, am I not in the same discussion? Yeah, <laughs> I don't think Francis McDormand and, and uh, oh, Joel okay. Cohen. I'm sorry, but uh, yes, Nancy Wilson and uh, Cameron Crowe did write the music. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Apologies, I got lost along the way. No, no, we, were, we jumped a lot. We jumped around a lot, and that would normally be me because I'm looking up <laughs> now. How old is Zooey Deschanel, and does she really pronounce it Zooey? <laughs> oh yes. 
Ooh, she's in an upcoming Macbeth thing. That's cool. She's Lady Macbeth in Macbeth. Wait, Zoe or Francis McDormand? Francis McDormand. McDormand. Sorry, Francis and it's McDormand. another okay. and it's another Cohen movie. Um, it is be like oh. her fourth. Oh shit! Oh, wow. Denzel okay. Washington, Lord Macbeth. Brendan Gleeson is King Duncan. Uh, hold King on, Duncan. Brian Thompson, that weird shaped guy. He's a young murderer. <laughs> weird shape. He's guy. so weirdly shaped. We've seen him on Film Saga a bunch. So what's uh, going to happen to somebody from this? Because isn't that the legend is that Macbeth ruins? Uh, like something happens to people who play Macbeth. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. I remember, like, right. They, does, Am I oh, completely alone? Like, there is a curse. I don't know. I've heard of a curse. Yes. There's a curse. Yes. Yeah, there is a curse. Um, the Macbeth curse or something like that. It says that uh, you don't even say the name Macbeth. If but this is the Coen brothers. Are they doing like a modern take? Are they doing. I'm sure it's going to be like an old brother where art thou styled. Oh, I'm in. Putting it in another genre. I'm in, dude. Oh, my gosh. Can't wait for I just, that. I, there is a curse. Yeah. I really yeah. appreciate that Frances McDormand makes choices. She doesn't just take any role. Like she's, <laughs> she's in, you know, like she works for auteurs. She, she's in a Wes Anderson movie. She's in a John Sayles movie. Yeah. She's in a bunch of Coen Brothers movies. Like she's like, you know, uh, very particular. Yeah, she gets to do. What she, she makes wants a lot of movies, but she she does only seem to make really good ones. So yeah. it's like, it's not the Bruce Willis. Y'all yeah, take anything that comes across my desk. But I would say that the two of them probably have a fairly similar level of output she just gets offered better roles probably because she's not taking the crap that bruce willis does plus she's just so (laughs) damned interesting she's just like yeah she's not how do i put this so in hollywood standards she's not like wow what an attractive woman it isn't that Mm -hmm. it's something else it's something about her face and her mannerisms and her talented actress and she yeah and and obviously the performances but she'll go down as like one of the best, man. She's so like. Great. There's a like un, until this moment, I would have never guessed that I would be calling for us to watch this movie called Promised Land. It's a Gus Van Sant movie from 2012, but it's got Matt Damon, Francis McDormand, John Krasinski, and I'm suddenly like, oh, we should watch Promised Land. I've never mm. even heard of it. Yeah, I had something familiar about it. Oh man, she was in uh, Hill Street Blues for a whole season in '85. I didn't know really? that. Yeah, she played Connie it's, Chapman. That's cool. Anyway, yeah, Almost Famous is one of those films where people called the cast an all-star cast, but it really wasn't. It was just a very well-cast movie. Yeah, you know. Yeah, like it wasn't. This wasn't an all-star cast per se. It was like, funny because so many of these people became bigger stars after this movie. So at the time, not an all-star cast, but a, a cast of people who became really big stars. Yeah. Well, and, and some of them had been working hard and doing great work like Hoffman and McDormand. And so like, you're like, but you don't know that they're about to go win Oscars when you put them in this movie. Right. right. You, just, you have no idea. Oh, I forgot. She, uh, sorry, <laughs> Francis McDormand. I'm, I'm, I'm in a bit of a well here. <laughs> she was, uh, she narrated that good omens miniseries. She played God and the narrator, which was got to turn off our internet while we're doing this. Yeah. show. <laughs> moved on. We're talking about Nancy Wilson. Next yeah, time. we're up now. We're at Nancy Wilson. Uh, and she was who was she anyway? Just kidding. She's I know the she sister was. of Ann Wilson. They were the two sisters in heart. And the only other Cameron Crowe thing that you see her on screen for is uh, Fast Times Ridgemont High. She's the woman driving the car that Judge uh, Judge uh, Reinhold uh, takes off his pirate costume for. To impress. Did she or are they still together? No. Okay. They're not. All right. That's a bummer. That saddens me yeah. a little bit. 
speaking of Philip Seymour Hoffman, <laughs> let's uh, take a moment to mourn. We've seen him a bit on Film Sack, not a lot. I think I think we've seen like we saw him in Twister, we saw him in Mission Impossible Three. Um, uh, we we like he hasn't tarnished, right? Like he died at forty six and is forever known as one of our greatest, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't think there's any. I mean, it. it uh, there's no scandal that I'm aware of that surrounds him. There's no impropriety. There's no me too fingers right. being pointed at, pointed at him. I feel I mean, like he just, he's, he just had drug problems, right? I mean, yeah. other that controversy, but yeah, yeah. but that's more yeah, of a, don't do drugs. Yeah. It's less of a moral judge. Well, I, th- I feel like today when we hear about somebody struggling with addiction, we're getting closer to recognizing that for what it is and not a character flaw mm. or like a moral failing. And we yeah. see it for more of what it actually is, which is a, straight up disease. <laughs> so oh, yeah. it's easier for if us you, to, you know, to do if that. If you now. follow, if you want to, if you're interested in someone who is a little bit famous and struggles with addiction and writes about it, read the Artie Lang books. He's, he's mm-hmm. put out at least mm-hmm. two books yeah. that I know of. Uh, this guy, there's a, it is such a deep and depressing journey, but a, he's still alive. Artie Lang is 53 and he's li- alive. And he, I don't know how he survived. And yeah. people like Philip Seymour Hoffman didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, anyway, it's, 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 it's just a Hoffman always, Hoffman always remind, uh, just, just what I, the impression I always got. He always seemed like he was really depressed about it. I mean, just, it seemed like it was just really yeah. weighed heavily on him. He seemed yeah. like he was a person who was suffering a lot yeah and that's just outside perspective of, of what I yeah saw. we don't have a lot of access to that but i, no. I agree i at no. least had that feeling and maybe part of that was because his his roles were even when he played like this character or he was the driver in something like you know um twister yeah. right which is you or know kind of a throwaway Brad action and, role uh, even uh, that big seems, lebowski you can see a little sadness behind yeah, it's it like a, there's a he's a tragic figure it yeah. seems like it always seems like there's tragedy he's in good his at eyes, that but I just put a picture yeah. of Artie Lang currently in the uh, in our chat. Um, unfortunately, his cocaine use has destroyed. His oh, jeez! Yeah, it's a yeah, mess. That's real. That's, that's for real. a couple of years now. He's yeah. had a completely Damn. a completely yeah. missing septum and and all kinds of horrible nasal problems. Yeah, drugs are drugs are a Hell bad drug. Whew. Yeah. So, um, I, I but uh, Hoffman reminds me of my favorite uh, trope in the movie. Can I have a trope alert? Yeah, of course. Holy shit! Right here. <laughs> uh, it's called the Gilligan cut, and we haven't ever talked about it, the, to my knowledge. But it's such a funny thing in a movie. And the Gilligan cut is when you have a couple of characters uh, doing something, and then they reach a natural ending, but then you cut to them doing something else immediately. That that kind of defies the ending. So like Lester Bangs is walking and talking with William, and they say goodbye, yeah. and he's and Lester Bangs says, "I just can't stand around talking to my many fans." Right. And then the Gilligan yeah. cut is cutting to them eating in a diner. Yeah, yeah. It's so like this happens in this movie repeatedly, and I just love it. It makes me smile. I don't understand why uh, people don't use it more. Yeah. Mm. Well, it's uh, it's a hell of a thing. I'm gonna just say before we move on to clips, I'm gonna say you, people should see this movie. If if any of the stuff we mentioned in a positive light seems interesting, uh, it feels like one of those definitive films, one of those kinds of movies, and it really holds up. Um, again, having not seen it when it came out, I I, I can't quite say that because I didn't see it then, so I don't know if it holds up compared to how I would have felt about it then. But I can tell you now, 
really left an impression. Really liked it mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, a guy goes uh, on Twitter. He says, I can't believe you guys are doing that movie. That movie is amazing. How are you going to talk about such a great movie when, on film side? I don't think it's sackworthy. Or, uh, and like I said, this. look, sometimes we do these. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're good. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, yeah. by the way, they're good. And we didn't expect them to be. Sometimes right. we think they're going to be good and they're shit. Where would be shit. the suspense in that if it was always good? Yeah. No here's, my, here's my question for you, Scott. Did this change you over the last week? Because like last week, when we brought up the Cameron Crowe movie Aloha, you were just like, no, I will never watch that garbage. <laughs> no, I think it was me. That was me. Yeah, yeah that was me. Because I watched it recently for... Yes, but Scott was opposed to it. I'm curious if now, if this movie made Scott more interested in seeing another Cameron Crowe movie. Sometime. Well, part... Mm, no, I'll say no because this one. Well, okay, I'm, I'm basing this on everyone else's opinions of it, but I've never heard anyone say a, a single good thing about Aloha, and so okay, that's, that's why I that's think that's something. that's tainted my uh, my willingness to be interested in it. Like, and it always depresses me when a once great director makes something poopy. <laughs> and, yeah. and he hasn't done any. Cameron Crowe has not done anything since uh, twenty six. Or sorry, hold on twenty. 15 is that right no that's writer credits hold on uh okay as far as direct 2016 uh he did the the roadies four episodes of that roadies tv series mm-hmm. oh the showtime yep. thing yeah that's that's his series he made that show right he made that well, show really? before that okay. it was aloha and he hasn't done anything since so i one gets the feeling that he's like yeah it's time for a break i need to mm-hmm. step down from some of this stuff but i wouldn't mind seeing like uh i don't know we saw uh, we saw Vanilla Sky. We saw Vanilla Sky, that's right. We haven't watched Jerry Maguire on this, and I'm afraid to. I'm afraid that that movie is really bad now. It's nowadays. probably okay, but it seems like a movie my wife my wife would want to sack. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I could Did be wrong about that. you know that the human head weighs seven pounds? <laughs> uh, I really do feel like Almost Famous and Elizabethtown go together, and Elizabethtown gets a lot of crap for uh, the tropiness of it. But they they go together, and uh, I'm like I'm probably gonna watch Elizabeth Town later today because I just like I feel that you know that connection. Yeah, I really like her as Peggy Blumquist on Fargo season two. So maybe I'll maybe I'll be into Kirsten Dunst in Elizabeth Town. Maybe that'll happen mm. for me. I don't know. It's it's hard to not love Kirsten Dunst in Elizabeth Town. Like the whole point of the character is you're supposed to fall in love with her. Does she? Is she married to the town butcher who brings home amazing cuts of meat but still makes hamburger helper every night? Is that a thing? Is that not happening? <laughs> okay. Sorry, Fargo reference. Hey you guys, what do you how do you feel about your personal data? Well, how do you feel about the ISP you use? What provider did you get? Here's the sad thing. Most of us have very little choice or control over what information gets shared because We have very little choice of ISPs. They kind of operate like monopolies in the regions they serve, especially here in the States. They then use this monopoly to take advantage of you, the customers, with data caps, streaming throttles. The list goes on, but worst of all, many ISPs log your internal internet data and all your activity and sell that stuff to other big tech companies or advertisers. Oh man, I hate that. To prevent ISPs from stealing my internet activity, I protect all my devices with ExpressVPN. So what is it? It's a simple app for your computer or smartphone that encrypts all your network data and tunnels it through a secure VPN server. That stands for Virtual Private Network, by the way. So that your ISP can't see any of that activity or any of that data. 
Just think about how much of your life you put out there on the internet. Tons of it. Sadly, every site you visit, video you watch, message you send, it's all being tracked by these same ISPs. And they're going to sell it for information or profit. And that's the reason I recommend ExpressVPN is the best way to hide your online activity from your ISP. Just download the app, tap one button on your device, and you're protected. And ExpressVPN does all of this without showing your connection. And ExpressVPN does all of this without slowing your connection. That's why it's rated the number one VPN service by CNET and Wired. It's really great. It's the simplicity I like. It just runs by pushing a button and you're done. I wish more things in life were just pushing a button and I'm done. Anyway, if simplicity is your thing, but also protecting yourself is your thing, stop handling, handing, not handling, handing your data over to ISPs and other tech giants who mine your activity and sell it off. Protect yourself with the VPN I trust to keep me private online. Visit expressvpn.com slash filmsack. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash filmsack to get these three extra months for free on your one-year package. Go to expressvpn.com slash filmsack right now to learn more. Get that extra three months. I promise you'll like it. I do. Well, that's uh, time. That means it's time. Time for clips. And uh, I'm going to play some of these here clips from this here movie, and we're going to start. There's not a ton this week, by the way, because it's all pretty good dialogue. It's not mm-hmm. like any of this mm-hmm. stuff is crap. But let's talk about the House of Lies. Hey! This is the House of Lies! Okay, that was Zoe. Wow. So that, that part actually did make me laugh. I, I, I laughed. I did, too. Yeah. Because she swore and then said this. And then Francis McDormand turned to young William and said, Your sister used the F word. She <laughs> <laughs> said, Track. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here's the uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. We get to hear him for a bit. Music. You know, true music. Uh, not just rock and roll. It chooses you. You know, it lives in your car or, or alone. Listen to your headphones uh, with the vast scenic bridges and angelic choirs in your brain. You know, it's a place apart from the vast, benign lap of America. It's crazy. He he channels, uh, what's the Dirk Diggler movie? Uh, Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights. There's something Boogie Nights-ish about his his cadence in this. Yeah. Can't quite put my finger on it, but. If it was a big wiener, I could. Anyway, hey, moving on. <laughs> Here's low voice kid. Uh, how about Stillwater? There you go. He's good at doing that. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I tried to do a little digging. He was born here. His parents still live here. Um, I think he probably he just, went to his house. He's like, hey, how's it going? He was just talented. Stalker. T- went to Hollywood and that, that's that. It's not coming back. He's like Sigourney Weaver. Her family's still here too. She doesn't hang out. She stayed in Hollywood and saved gorillas or whatever in the mist. All right, here's a thing for uh, you guys. Uh, this, uh, oh, this is one of the out-of-focus guys, or a uh, reference to that T-shirt that right. uh, happened in the middle of the movie. I'm just one of the out-of-focus guys. <laughs> <laughs> Get up, Randy. Wakey, wakey, hands off, snakey. All right, next up. Here's a... Oh, this is great. We haven't had a Ibit Prom clip for a couple of weeks now. And, oh, um, yeah. This was dug out of an old box, and it was a tape, like an old cassette tape on on the B-side. Uh, this is apparently uh, your date just asked you what you're famous for on your dates. So this was, you know, in preparation for the prom itself, and you yelled. I get people off. Oh, okay. Well, 
Geez, Brian, yeah. just lay it all must out have, for everyone to see. Must, That's fine. Well, it it didn't seem like it was clear to her. You okay. know, it's uh, <laughs> a bit of slang that changed uh, between 72 and I don't know the nineties when I first heard it. Cause uh, it, he's clearly saying he, he makes people happy, right? Mm-hmm. Like he, he yeah. makes them, he makes them feel uh, elevated. And now that, that phrase means something very specific that is right. Uh, that you don't do in a crowd at a concert. It's unfortunate that we've changed it. There's another one. There's another phrase like that. Uh, so there's get, um, my music get you off meant something different, like taken off. You feel you're in a new place or whatever. And now, uh, and also they used to say, uh, that groove really turns me on and turn me on. Wasn't a sexual thing back then, but now mm-hmm. it is. If you said, yeah, does my music turn you on? You know what I mean? Right. Well, I tried to use it to talk about Veronica turning me <laughs> onto a band and that little bit of audio got taken out of conce- uh, context and, uh, reused for, for years. Yeah. You were, you were trying to bring it back and I appreciated that. Trying to bring it back to, yeah. Oh, that totally turned me onto that song. Yeah. And, uh, when, when that, I was trying to find it, damn it. I was going to play it. And I, can't I find it now. thought I stalled enough to where you could locate it. Uh, was it this? Hold on. Adam, uh, from the Mac cast at uh, Nertacular turned me on. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Well done. Yeah, same end clip. Same uh, same concept, different on Turner. Yeah, I can't <laughs> find the file. All right, uh, the T-shirt is everything. Don't you see, man? The T-shirt is everything. I like that. God, I like T.J. Miller. He's so good. Yeah, isn't T.J. T.J. Uh, Miller funny? Not not since not since my name is Earl has T.J. Miller put in quite the performance. <laughs> T.J. Miller is such a ripoff of Jason Lee. It's it really like is. a straight line. Oh, well, that, I did a ripoff. But I'm a ripoff, but it's in that vein for sure. Cut right? from the same cloth. I think. I don't think T.J. Miller would be a different person had there not been a Jason Lee, but they're definitely uh, built using the same mold. Yeah. yeah, Jason Lee's one of those guys, I feel like I... I mean, whatever. This is always creepy when you say, oh, I could spend time with that Hollywood person, but I feel like I could eat lunch with that guy and just hang out. Seems like he'd be a fun dude to just chill with. Yeah. All right. Here's, um, what is it? I don't know what this is. Want to see me feed a mouse to my snake? Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Finally. I also yes. laughed at that. party. The real people party. Yeah. That was pretty good. Um, do they really call themselves Topekans? Is that what they do? Topekans? Why not? Okay. Yeah. All right. Do you really call yourself a Utahn? Sometimes. Depends on the context. <laughs> if you call, but like Topeka is a city, so I would say, you know, Salt Laker, I guess. Yeah. Or, yeah, that's, that's I don't, we have nothing else. That's all we have. All right, here's this. Uh, 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 this is Ben. <laughs> what? I don't know what I wrote. I've misspelled all my clips, so let's hear it ben together. Fong. Hello, this is Ben Fong Torres calling from Rolling Stone. Oh my gosh, I wrote, oh, I wrote, bro. this is Ben Yo. Fong Storages. <laughs> uh, calling from Ruling Stone. Ruling Stone. Um, all right, here's another one. What am I to you? It's a great question. Oh. Let's see what Jimmy Fallon has to say. There's money to be made, so I brought a plane in. We could add more shows to make up the difference, respectfully. When you ever want to go back, I see Jimmy Fallon inspires this in me every time I hear his voice. I want to go back in time to like this year, to the year that we're talking about, 2000. He's writing for SNL. He's, he's a bit player, big deal, whatever. Yeah. I just want to go back. Every scene he's in. I want to go mm-hmm. back to him and say, 
hey, can you stop the cowbell thing for a second and come over here? And he'd come over here and I'd say, <laughs> you're going to be the host of the Tonight Show one day. Yeah. That will be the show you host, you know, the one that Johnny Carson made most famous and the one Jay Leno currently occupies and and that grandest of longest running nighttime comedy slash variety interview shows. That's going to be you. I don't think he'd 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 just say you're weird get out of here there's no way he'd believe me right yeah Mm -hmm. i don't know why i always think of that with him but more than anyone else who ever got that job all right uh joke about the old days a mojo it's a very modern machine that transmits pages over the telephone it only takes 18 minutes a page oh it's because of the times are so different now (laughs) i totally thought when you had the fallon clips you were going to play the one him talking about uh mick jagger is not going to still be up on stage performing oh yeah yeah. oh i missed that yeah (laughs) i I mean i heard of it i didn't cap it that's a good one to to do by the way that that is accurate uh apparently the the whole like uh hunter s thompson scene referred to the fax machine as the mojo wire Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Really? really what okay, they called so, that yeah. okay yeah so they called it but they really it. take 18 minutes per page back then <laughs> probably at first it was Jeez. probably like <laughs> that's crazy really slow i didn't know there was a fax in 74 or 3 or whatever this was um <clears throat> i was three or four so what would i have known <laughs> all right here's a here's a good oh you have a good oh this lady you have a good day she la- she made me laugh harder than anything else in the movie <laughs> you have a good because it was like she is in stewardess mode 100 yeah. of the time she didn't even say hi it's nice to meet you the other guy said oh we've heard all about you. it's nice to finally meet you all right. she can do you have a good day is do that <laughs> <laughs> i laughed out loud at that so well done lady who i'll never know who you are all right time for this Oh, why, it's the film sack checklist. I always pee with a fur hat on. Check. Always. Mm. Always. Mm-hmm. I'm not uh, even gay, and I'm attracted to Billy Crudup. Check. <laughs> I forgot I wrote that. Uh, finally, I'd hire Stillwater to play at my party. I totally would. Well, yeah. mm-hmm. Sure. They were great. That's Almost not really him singing. He's not really singing right, though, right? That wasn't really. No. Him. No. Okay. That was no that way. was someone else, and they have they have doggedly refused to to name the the voice uh, singer. Oh, I didn't know that. They, I mean, they just looked very legitimate. Uh, they, that's one thing the movie, if it gets technical points, the band never felt fake to me. Even though yeah. I know all these guys are actors, there's Dr. Manhattan, there's Earl, you know, like whatever. Uh, and then the the other two, who <laughs> I don't really know very well. <laughs> but, they, but they were so, that seemed so real to me that I, that I never once questioned that whereas most movies where there's, there's a band it's just they don't look right playing the guitar they don't really you know you can tell right. the lip syncing is happening or whatever these guys really look the the, the job yeah i love according that. to the trivia they uh they practice as a real band for so what six months or something five hours a night or four five hours a night so. oh my gosh really yeah that fighting is the, real then they're really and the the performance shots are legit like it felt like it was lifted right out of, I don't know, a, the Eagles documentary or mm-hmm. something. Like, mm-hmm. it's so perfectly shot. The Allman Brothers, which this was all fashioned after, was their music kind of like that? Or I don't listen to a lot of Allman Brothers, I realized. I don't really yeah, know. Yeah, it was a countrified rock. I mean, these guys were a little bit more... A little bit more Led Zeppelin than Allman more Brothers. Led Zeppelin, yeah. yeah. Not as, not as uh, um, Southern-influenced. And what are they now? Are they nothing? Are they just uh, Allman Brothers? Yeah. Well, half of them died. In a- yeah, they're still. They, I mean, they they still kind of. Yeah. 
They Jeez. still technically exist, yeah. but you know, you're not going to see them performing in the Super Bowl or something. I'm clicking the thing here. Okay. Hey. Yeah, they died. Or, well, one died. <laughs> yeah. Greg Allman's still with us. Isn't yeah, he the former, one that married a uh, um, former share husband? That's who, okay. That's where it's all f- coming together. Yeah. And you look at him now, he looks like a, a piece of chalk with hair. <laughs> <laughs> he just looks, I don't that's know. Funny. I thought more of them died. I thought there was the same kind of thing that happened to them as, uh, uh, like Skinner and, and, I don't know so, why yeah, I thought that know, they had a plane crash as well. You know who they felt the most like to me? Uh, the Van Zant brothers or cousins or whatever they are. The Leonard Skinner 38 special zone mm. of, mm-hmm. of that time. That's what they felt like to me. Like Stillwater uh, like, did? Yeah, yeah Stillwater felt like if 38 special sounded even more like Leonard Skinner. They look like, to me, they look like, I don't know. First, I thought they were supposed to be Black Sabbath because I thought I was looking at like Lemmy. Or, mm. or or someone else in that group well, looked, Motorhead, yeah, or Motorhead's what I meant. About. I didn't mean, yeah. It. yeah, I meant Motorhead. So when I saw when I saw the manager, I thought he was being Lemmy because he had that hat, mm-hmm. and then he had the goatee and the and the accent. Yeah. And so you can know Taylor, who I don't think you even think we've mentioned, but uh, oh yeah, we didn't talk about him much. He's interesting. Yeah, he's in mm-hmm. um he's in the Game of Thrones. That uh, and Vanilla Sky. He was you know all cleaned up as the. I'm yeah. here to get you out of this program, Tom Cruise. Yeah. He's, uh, I thought he was the preacher in that thing you got me watching last night. Um, oh, yeah. No, it's that big eared guy who will forever be in our TMS <laughs> chat discord thing. Yeah. Well, the thing he does ears. in that first episode, I and I sent you the gif of, I want to die. <laughs> I wanted to die. I was like, okay, that's what I'm in for. All right. It's called, what's it called? The Great? Yeah, The Great. The Great. Yeah, Adam Godley. So far, I'm really on. I am in the position of wanting to highly recommend The Great. It's very funny. It it and it came out at such a perfect time. Like the pandemic had just set in, and everybody had all this time on their hands, you know. And so, like, Mm -hmm. it's like I so I will always associate The Great with the beginning of this. And also, F Bridgerton. Bridgerton is dumb. Go watch this this period piece instead. Bridgerton sucks. Hate it. Well. I don't. I don't want to say that because I I know so many women who love it, and it's made. It's kind of a a, a show for. Oh, women. my wife loved it, loved yeah. it. I hated um, I, it. But I want to say to you, Scott, if if you can, I want to just encourage you to pick up uh, to just sit down and completely wipe everything out of your life for forty eight minutes. Okay, that's all I'm asking. All right, and I just want you to sit down and listen to the Almond Brothers album "Brothers and Sisters" from beginning to end. It's only seven songs. It'll take you forty eight minutes. Uh, I'm, in. I'm I'm telling you, it you will it will it will it really will change your life. I I don't think it'll you'll change see your, life. your whole future. <laughs> but but I light I, a I, candle I, and you'll see your whole yeah, future. Yeah. But right. I do think I do think it will it will. Help you understand like the the their music that time and all that stuff. Okay, it'll actually probably help me further get away from the thing when I was a kid when someone would say the Almond Brothers. I thought they said almond like the nut. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. <laughs> sure. My whole life, almond. I was probably in my thirties when I figured that out. So well done, Scott. All right. Um. Uh, oh, uh, we got some connections. So, uh, Randy, you, you collected a few here. I don't know if they're Star Trek. Oh, yeah, but, we're doing uh, Modern Family connections today. Okay. Of course, that means uh, Eric Stone Street uh, plays a, a desk clerk in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, looking huge for some reason. I don't yeah. know why. 
It's it like it's good they got all of his chins like stuck up above his collar, like a, <laughs> like a push-up bra for chins. And, uh, I nice. he's they must have shot him from a distance with a zoom to make him look even wider. Like it was weird. It was weird. Um, but of course, I mean Eric Stone Street is like one of the stars of Modern Family. Uh, Ray Porter played uh, Rody Mick in this uh, in this movie. Uh, I don't know if you noticed him. He's he's just uh, nice he's he's he was in Argo. He was in The Runaways. Um, Ray Porter uh, was it was in um, Justified. Uh, anyway, on Modern Family, he comes in the second to last season as a character named Laszlo. Uh, but the the connection I really couldn't help making, like when I before we saw Eric Stone Street, and I started thinking about Elton John, I realized you know what Modern Family has a couple of episodes that revolve around Elton John songs. Hmm. And uh, I think they were based on this movie, kind of. Interesting. Um, really? Yeah, there's an episode that that is sort of revolves around Circle of Life. <laughs> and then there's, but then there's one that's much more uh, focused on the song Don't Go Breaking My Heart. And, and uh, you know, I just uh, feel like Modern Family, the, the writers watched this movie and, hmm. and tried to... Heavily influenced, maybe? Yeah, yeah tried Almost to do, Family. Almost, Almost family. family. Also, I'm clearly watching too much what we do in the shadows because you said Laszlo, and that's all I could think about. So, good job. Uh, Ray Porter is yeah. the actor who was Rody Mick in this movie. He's he's kind of a stand around guy. He's in a lot of a lot of shots, but he doesn't have any he's lines. A stand around guy, I like that. He's a real stand around guy. <laughs> <laughs> Not a stand up guy, but more no. like a stand around guy. Sure. Uh, soundtrack great. I give it an A for awesome. It was great. Loved it. No problems. Yeah. Even the interstitial sort of stuff made for the movie, really well done. And uh, now I want to go listen to it. And I'm going to today, in fact. And you after can, I listen you can to thank it. Nancy Wilson. But then who was the, uh, help me, Brian, who was the really famous singer-songwriter who acted as a producer on this movie? Peter Frampton. Thank you. Yeah, he's, he's the guy who wins uh, Penny Lane in the poker tournament for 50 bucks and a case of Heineken. Uh, and he and it's funny because he played the manager for Humble Pie and he was actually in the band Humble Pie. Oh, there he is. And I now Cameron know Crow wrote I didn't, his, uh, I didn't figure that out until you just I mean I didn't know until you said it. That's crazy. Yeah, and Cameron Crow wrote the liner notes to uh Frampton Comes Alive, so it was like a little little trade-off thing. Um oh wow. He's talking about how he in in the seventies. I'm sorry, I just found an interview where what his quote is: "I was kept high the entire time. <laughs> if I needed cocaine, it was brought to me. If I needed quaaludes, they were brought to me." Wow. Uh, Mike McCready gets a credit in here. Um, that's a that's a member of Pearl Jam. Am I right? Yeah, it is. Mm. No, no. Oh, my, yeah, Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no, no. Uh, no, that's Allison yeah. Chain. No, who am I thinking of? I may, be, I may be confused. Uh, Do you think that Jerry Cantrell it, it was involved with some of this? Yeah, uh, Mike McCready is the lead Chain. guitarist for, for Pearl Jam. Yeah, right. he's, right. he's credited in here with Frampton and Nancy Wilson. Um, I mean, it's the singles connection there, right? I mean, Cameron Crowe yeah. and, and Eddie and I think Mike McCready even made was he I know there were a couple other grungers in uh in singles was Mike McCready one of them as well might have been I don't remember but yeah he is the 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 guitar player for Pearl Jam Oh you I know, know what I'm why. thinking of Allison Chains did a version of Rooster on stage and he stepped in and oh, with the him. guitar yeah right. that's what I'm thinking of 
Yeah, there anyway, uh, must have, yeah, sorry, must have been ahead. must have been a lot of fun to be had making music for this movie. Like it's just mm. it's very oh, very yeah. clear that it was the focus of the film. Yeah, for sure. He went on. Um, uh, Crow did that really cool concert video thing for Pearl, Pearl Jam, Jam. Twenty was that called? Mm-hmm. What was that called? Pearl Jam Twenty. Pearl Jam Twenty. Okay. Yeah. I've been on a Pearl Jam kick lately. I've been listening. I don't know why. Ah, even flow started yeah. with ten. Makes yeah. sense. Started with ten. Worked my, worked my way up. Uh, some of the mid stuff, 11, 12, yeah. some of the, some of this inner middle stuff, like in the mid two thousands and a little weird, a little out there, yeah. but, uh, still mythology and, uh, yeah, it's pretty odd. I like some of that. Yeah. I have a friend so, who, so. I have a friend who would lay down his life for that band, but he also believes in Bigfoot. So don't trust my friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> just, it just blows my mind that we were alive when, uh, a bunch of these guys got together and made an album called Temple of the Dog, and that's like oh, it just that happened, so and it and it's so good. I don't understand how it just it's uh, just a one time thing. So yeah. good, I'm going hungry, man. I'm yeah, I mean hungry. it's like the traveling Wilburys. You know, it's like the flash in the pan. That was just a great moment, but but yeah, I mean they put out two albums, but still, it's like uh, you'll never get a repeat of of that sort of thing again. No. And it's not just because three fourths of them are dead, but it's <laughs> it's part of it. But it's not the whole reason. Yeah, it's not the whole reason. Yeah, I miss um, Chris Cornell every day. Yeah, Chris oh, Cornell. Yeah. That yeah. guy's voice is still the uh, to me the defining of my twenties. The ultimate rock voice. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It never. Well, and we keep we keep hitting on people who died uh, like young, like you know Hoffman and douglas adams and you know uh chris cornell was only 52 yeah, like yeah he still had a, like real life ahead of him for music yeah he was he was mm-hmm. collabing with his daughter who does some pretty cool stuff herself and mm-hmm. i don't know man i was i hated that suicide depression all that stuff f it f it right in the butt all right moving on to uh this here <laughs> thing which is what oh it's the twitter post this is where you guys in a hundred and sorry that has changed a long time ago 280 characters or less <laughs> <laughs> it's been years scott come on get it straight uh you put together your own thoughts on what you think this movie is and you sum it up let's start with randy almost famous a young man falls in with a whole group of drugged up dudes who usually live in hotel rooms and sex is alluded to, but you never really see it. Just like a Saturday night at Ebbets house. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> I knew that one was going there and I was glad it was. Uh, also Brian Dunaway. Almost famous like vinyl. It will blow your mind. Oh, don't forget to light a candle. It will blow your mind. <laughs> oh, and don't do drugs. It will blow your mind. <laughs> <laughs> when Kay Hudson's done with the bathroom, light a match. Is what I wanted to say. That's right. That's right. It will blow uh, your mind. Finally, Brian Ibbett. Almost famous. This movie is as much a fecking love letter to rock yeah. and roll. It is a fecking love letter to journalism. Ah, <laughs> uh, fecking. Letter you. Fecking is great. <laughs> All right. Well done. Uh, on that note. Alternate titles just handed to me. It was almost called Almost Seamus, but then they changed the name of the character and it was uh, William instead. So Almost Seamus became Almost Famous or Almost Shave Us. (laughs) I only did that because it rhymed. That's the only reason. Uh, It doesn't have anything to do with anything. All right. We got emails, two of them this week from, we got a lot more than two, but these are the two I'm going to read. Filmsack at gmail.com is the email address. We got one from Devin, who I will start with. He says, hey guys, I've been listening for about three years. And I look forward to every week here you review uh, these films. This is, sorry, this is maybe my favorite podcast to listen to by far. 
That's funny. This is maybe my favorite podcast to listen to by far. Maybe. 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 Almost. Um, <laughs> it was a shock to hear you all talk about Ramstein in Air Force One's Ramstein. review. Ramstein is my favorite band to listen to. Anyways, hope all of you had a great Christmas. Devin. Well, Devin. But yeah, it's not maybe too. his favorite band to listen to. Yeah, right. it, it just is. It just is. It's yeah. um, decisive when he wants to be, I guess. Uh they well, I always want to. I want to find someone else who loves Ramstein like me and and ask them what else they like. Like, I uh, hated like, that song I, you shared with us though. That that pussy song. Oh, the, the porn, yeah, yeah. yeah, I hated yeah. that. That was I yeah, shared away. That was awful. <laughs> like, I don't even just mean. I, I don't mean the video. You, no, no, no. I'm not talking about that. that. That song itself is just bad. Like, it's just. Yeah, well, you have a vagina. I have a penis. Let's put them together. <laughs> like that's the song. Like, that's it. And they do it in English. How is that any different than any other rock song about love? I mean, come on. No, I don't. Dude. <laughs> it just was. It, that was the dumbest lyrics. It was so basic. Oh, my gosh. I hated it. But I like them otherwise. Rammstein. Yeah. Check them out. Germans. All right. Here's, a, here's one Germans. from Western Austria. Whoa. Oh, no. I'm sorry. Western Australia. That's not the same. Here's what they say. This is Jeff. <laughs> Hey guys, long time listener here. My wife and I are expecting our baby girl any day now. So I'm here to offer you this amazing deal. The first person to veto the shitty Christmas Prince sequels will get the exclusive naming rights of my daughter. What say you done away? Mingo phone may has a nice ring to it. Thanks guys. Jeff from Perth. That to any child. I think we all vetoed the, uh, yeah, but I want to, I want to claim it so I can make sure there's a baby born named Randy deluxe whatever your last name is uh, let's see. <laughs> Je- all i got was jeff so i don't know but i kind of like mingo phone mingo is a pretty good mingo name phone. is a uh, shit critique ming for sure potential australian name <laughs> is it like australia has the weird names yeah um i gotta find the old mingo quote it's great oh here it is <laughs> booby slave booby slave retrieve me my mingo phone i need to contact flash gordon oh my gosh that is so long ago <laughs> classic when did we do Ball. Flash Gordon? Was that? Um, oh my God, that was so long ago. Let's look it up. I just want to see. Uh, quick sack. Nine years ago. Let's see. Uh, Flash Gordon, Gordon, number 68. No, no, Gordon. It was uh, Thursday, March 31st, 2011. Wow, yeah. So 10 years, 10 ago. years in, right? Wow. Almost. Yeah. I feel yeah. like that was the moment you established your intros as the ones to beat. That's what, yeah, that's so what I happened. Got another couple of months to make it. Even better. Yeah, well done. For our 10-year anniversary. Well done. All right. Thank you guys for your emails, Jeff and Devin. We love emails, so send them in. Uh, Filmsack at gmail.com. Our next movie is skipping right over the head of uh, Cliffhanger because it got pulled. Mm -hmm. It's not there no more. Bastards. Sometimes we force it through if it's like a day before we record or something, but this one's plenty of time, so we're not doing it. Uh, We will watch for it again, though. It was barely on streaming for like a hot second, and then it got yanked. We don't know why. Mm It'll it'll, be back. Yeah, it'll be back. But we're jumping straight to Sunshine. I'm very stoked. I love this movie. And it has a controversial thing in it that we will definitely talk about. So we're talking about the Danny Boyle 2007 Sunshine. Yes. An amazing science fiction film. It scratches a million inches I have. It's got Captain America in it before he was Captain America. (laughs) Uh, It's got got Killian Murphy before he was Peaky Blinders. Yeah. Yeah. Killian Murphy's great. Uh, It's got that, you know, like you said, it's a... 
It's a Danny Boyle movie, so it's got a lot of Danny it's Danny Boyleisms. Yep. That was broken when Netflix sent me the Blu-ray to watch it. Uh, it wouldn't oh, play on my oh. PlayStation 4, so I still haven't seen it. So I'm oh, excited. I'm so excited for no you to sunshine. see this. Yes. Oh, I've been so waiting. All right. That's on Hulu, by the way. So uh, check it out. Sunshine on Hulu. The week after that, we are doing Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, which is currently on HBO Max. So we got our next two movies pretty well lined out. Sorry about Cliffhanger. Couldn't do anything about it. But uh, Sunshine up next. Believe me, we're Hulu. just as sorry as anybody else. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Truly, some, we are. I need some Sylvester so, really so Stallone in my life. I may have to make you guys watch another Expendables movie at some point because I oh, need Sly. Sounds like that's coming up. <laughs> uh, yes, why not? Three of those it'll be for us, right? That we've done three total. Mm-hmm. And in Eventually, order, yeah. by the way, it'll be all in order, which we never do. So anyway, check that out. Uh, but the, yeah, Sunshine and then Beyond Thunderdome. I'm repeating that. I don't know why. Hey, filmsack.com is our website. So go there. You can uh, join, uh, see, see things there. So go do it. It's at filmsack.com. You can also send us emails, filmsack at gmail.com. And you can also follow us on Twitter. We're at filmsack. It's a great Twitter account to follow because it, it never gets weird. It's just film stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah follow Filmsack on twitter we won't encourage an insurrection oh none of that happens there <laughs> we right. won't argue about that insurrection we won't do anything it's just mm-hmm. film sack and it's fun and we and we show pictures and gifts and stuff about movies that are coming up and you know we let you know when things are out like it's great I, so follow i almost said we won't get banned but how do you know how do you know you never mm-hmm. know yeah. uh big tech anyway Hey, leave us a review wherever you get your podcast, too. That is always a helpful thing for us. It uh, pushes us up and gets us in front of people's eyeballs. That's going to do it for us, for me, for Brian, for Brian, and for Randy. I'm on drugs. See you next time. show is part of the frog pants network yes get more at frogpants.com you have a good day okay (laughs) you have a good day